Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah. Hi, this is Zach and Lefty from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Though you lot probably know it as Wimbledon of the Ozarks. You're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, 21-year-old Iga Swiatek is a two-time Grand Slam champion, a two-time French Open champion, the world number one. She was that before. She's very much still that now and the owner of a 35-match winning streak and counting. That equals the streak of Venus Williams and surpasses the 34-match best winning streak of the great Serena Williams. We'll talk about all of that in just a moment. First of all, I have to give a quick nod to Zach and lovely Lefty. I'm assuming Lefty is lovely because Lefty is a dog, uh, so can only be lovely, that you heard in our intro there in Arkansas, uh, the Wimbledon of the Ozarks, which isn't an expression I've I've heard before, uh, but it sounds lovely. I'm familiar with the Ozarks from the uh, TV show Ozark, as I'm sure many listeners are. Zach was bought his intro by his dad as a gift, and if you would like to buy one for yourself or for anybody else, then you can do so by becoming a friend of the Tennis Podcast, by being part of the group of friends that make it possible for us to be here at the French Open and at the Australian Open and uh, all the other places we're planning to go. The link to do that is in our show notes. You find myself, Catherine Whitaker, David Law and Matt Roberts back at Tennis Podcast Towers Paris edition and drying off after a rather damp journey home, which uh, caused David to have to purchase a Roland Garros umbrella. David, we we thank you. Well, I, I kind of wanted one, but I was struggling to find a reason to justify it. And now I've got one and now I'm delighted. Yes, and he selflessly gave it to Matt and I to share on the way home because David was the only one of us with a raincoat. Matt forgot his. Uh, I had mine uh, egregiously stolen earlier earlier in the week. And we were we were woefully unprepared for the weather that was absolutely not forecast by Whatever clowns call themselves French weather forecasters. Uh, it's been an absolute horror show on the weather forecast front. Don't ask us what the conditions are going to be for the men's final because we've got no reliable way of knowing, quite frankly. But anyway, I digress. Let's talk about Iga Swiatek and, of course, Coco Goff as well. She's 
She's quite simply Iga Svantec, the best player in the world, and might just, who knows how long this statement will apply for, you might wish to argue with it, but she might very well be unplayable at this moment in time, David. Yeah, I, I think against the current opposition, in the absence of Ash Barty, in the absence of Serena Williams a few years ago, when she was obviously younger and fit and, and not physically injured, um, I agree. I don't think we've seen a player like this. I mean, not even sure Barty was this dominant. She, she Barty was brilliant and she may have become this dominant. She felt like she was going to be, which is why it would have been so wonderful to see them go up against each other. But not really since Serena have we seen anything like this. And uh, yeah, the, the manner of her performance and then the manner of her describing afterwards that Serena's streak was her main goal today to surpass, not the title, but that specific streak really says something about her and how much she wants it all. The logic of that was fascinating, wasn't it? When she told us about that being what she's most proud of, she says, look, Serena, it's not easy sort of following after Serena because most of her records, frankly, are unattainable. I mean, who knows, 10 years down the line, maybe we'll be talking about Iga Svantec going for some of Serena's records, but they must seem unattainable to even someone as brilliant as Svantec. But that was one that suddenly was within her grasp. And she said, you know, that those chances aren't going to come along very often. And I, that was what I wanted to take. I've, I've got a record that the great Serena Williams doesn't have. Yeah, we love a tennis geek who, <laughs> who is aware of the records and what's possible. And she very much is. And the question of whether she's unplayable, I think regular Sviontek is pretty much unplayable. Final Sviontek I would declare unplayable at the moment. There is a difference in her performance when she gets to this stage of a tournament. I mean, her record shows that. Um, you know, we've talked about her finals record in the past and the variety and quality of players she's beaten in those finals. Kenin, Bencic, Pliskova, Osaka, Sabalenko, Jabur. Now you can add Goff as well. And I probably underestimated a bit actually just how good that finals version of Sviontek is even though we've seen it so many times before this was the first time I'd seen it live and up close and you know I really felt like Goff had a level today that that might be able to make the match close and honestly quite early on it was obvious that that wasn't going to be the case that Igor Sviontek was as good as Coco Goff is and she's magnificent Igor Svantec right now is several levels above everyone, including golf. Nine finals in a row, dating back to her her first final in which she lost to Polona Herzog. So maybe Polona Herzog and Yelena Ostapenko are having dinner somewhere right now talking about... <laughs> They're the only ones who know. How, to, how to beat Igor Svantec. Um And she's never lost more than five games in any of those nine finals. David, you asked her in her press conference today, you know, how do you do that? How, how how are you this even superior version of yourself in, in the most high pressure matches? And she said, she said, didn't it? She, she said, I, I don't really know, but I, tr- I know I try and treat it as every other match, treat it the same as any other match. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's what everyone says eager. That's, that's what everyone's trying to do, but only, only you're doing it. <laughs> But she also mentioned how 
she knows the opponent will be stressed and she's trying to kind of prey on that really um, and just put masses of pressure on immediately. How stressed do you think Coco Goff was today, David? P- pretty stressed at the start I, was my sense. Uh, I mean, she, she said everything right ahead of the, the match and, and the final, but until you get out there, how can you not be stressed? I think she'd got it under control. I think she was going to play her way into it. I don't think that was going to... I don't think that's the reason she lost at all because I think she actually found a way. The problem was up the other end and that was qu- quite something to witness for me because I've never seen a Grand Slam final in the flesh without being commentating. So it was a very different environment. That The whole occasion felt huge to me being in the stadium outside. It felt bigger than when I'm commentating on it because... You, you get the sense of what all the ticket holders feel, which is that they've got the ticket, the golden ticket to the lottery, that they can't believe the, their luck. The players can't... Well, they can believe it, but this is the ultimate in the sport. And yet, I felt Coco Goff did enough to settle down and play okay, actually. It's just that that isn't enough. Even as good as she is, she was exposed because Svantec now, as Pam Shriver was saying the other day, has got a level... That is up there, right up there. You leaned over to me, David, I think after the first couple of points and said, gosh, Vontek just doesn't give you a moment to breathe. You said she's the Liverpool of tennis. You're just sort of in a stranglehold straight away. And after losing the first point, there was a a French heckler, Matt, that shouted, don't worry, Coco, it's not over yet, (laughs) which was sort of awful, but also, you know... So, you know, it, quite astute, astute heckling, if there is such a thing. Maybe they knew that Svantec had uh, broken in the opening service game of her opponent in 13 of her last 18 matches. That's including this one, I should say. She, I mean, I think that Liverpool of tennis is such a good description. You know, anyone who watches football will know Liverpool just so fast out of the blocks. They're all over you. They don't let you breathe. And so often they just get ahead. And that is what Sviontek does. And she broke in that first game. I'd, I personally did think Goff looked quite tight in the first couple of games. There was yeah. a double fault in that opening game. I didn't feel like she was accelerating on the forehand. You know, the forehand is the vulnerable shot. As, as brilliant as it's been all tournament, I felt like maybe the occasion plus the just relentless intensity of Igor Sviontek's game just slightly exposed that shot today. I think she'd hit seven forehand errors through the first three games and it ended up being about 16 errors on the forehand for the match. So I did feel like there were nerves there to begin with and yet she just ran into a player who makes these incredibly fast starts. And it was interesting, Goff herself, talking about the fact that she said she wasn't that nervous to begin with. She was nervous when she went down a break. I imagine she was thinking, oh, God, this could get away from me quickly. You know, I need to get a game on the board. It was, wasn't actually the start of the match. It was when she realised what, what she was faced with, I think, from down the other end. I know Carrillo's, is it second or third law, is protect your weakness. And, and obviously, Coco Goff does have a, a relative weakness on that forehand. It can, as is so often the case in tennis it can also be a tremendous strength when she strikes it well it's it's a heavy shot when she really connects with it she can she can strike all sorts of winners from that wing but it can also be her her Achilles heel big time and it turned out to be today there as you said Matt there were a lot of errors from that wing but I 
I don't know how you protect a weakness against Igor Shiontek. You're just so exposed out there. You're having to to go for things and hit shots that you, you wouldn't ordinarily be doing so and second-guess yourself as well. Mm. But, you know, Coco Goff was asked, wasn't she, about what's different about facing Igor Shiontek? And she said she, she changes direction on the ball better than anyone else. She hits shots... She said it's not that she hits shots that other people don't hit. She said she hits them from positions in the point where other people just aren't hitting them. You, yeah. you don't know what's coming at you. You think you've got her as well. There were a couple of rallies that I noticed in that first set when Coco Goff had settled down and she went after a couple, you know, and she's on the front foot. She's in charge. And then suddenly she's not. She's on the back foot. The very next shot. She referred to it as she gets you running in the wrong direction. You've, you've started to go one direction and it's suddenly gone the other way. And, and I mean, the truth is, you talk about protecting a weakness and building your strength. Shviontek has multiple weapons. I think of her as a forehand heavy player. I looked at the stats. She hit four winners in, on the forehand side and two backhand winners in the first set. Second set was the other way around. She hit three winners on the forehand, six on the backhand. So she's hit more winners on the backhand side. And when she was asked in the press conference, what's your favorite shot? She said the backhand on the line. And I'm thinking, I thought it was the forehand. You know, <laughs> so, I mean, shows how much I know. But it's I, just watching her, she has a, a level, like a turbo boost. And she's now started to press turbo boost from point one. And it's chock and awe. You can't do any. Nadal did it to Djokovic the other day for a set and a half. And... I mean, I, I, I can't say speak highly enough of what, what we witnessed. You mentioned Mary Carrillo's laws there. I really think that it's going to take someone with a great serve to be able to beat Iga Sviontek because the way she just capitalises on a short ball, be it a second serve, I've... I've not seen anything quite like that. She's so aggressive on the return. And I think of, you know, I feel like it's almost impossible to talk about tennis at the moment and not mention Ash Barty. She still sort of hangs over the sport. And I feel like Ash Barty figured out a way of protecting her serve against someone like Sviontek. I think Serena Williams would have been fine against Sviontek from that standpoint because of her serve. She just feeds on on the short second serve. And... Also, talking about Goff today, you know, she said going into this match, didn't she, that the one thing she wanted from herself was that she would take her opportunities. She, you know, she knew she wouldn't get many because Shantek's so good. And you kind of have to say she did take her one opportunity. She had one break point in the match and she took it at the start of that second set, just when Shviontek's level dipped. You know, she played a really bad game, didn't she, just to lose serve at the start of the second set, Shviontek. So Goff did take that opportunity. She sort of did what she would have expected from herself and hoped from herself in that moment. It's just that the match was completely out of her hands. It was all, I felt, dependent on Shviontek's level. And as soon as Shviontek raised it again in the second set, she then did that thing of reeling off four games in a row again and just took the match away from golf. How do you hurt Iga Shiontek? She is she's never on the back foot seemingly. And and whether that's just cuz people haven't figured out how to to put her there, I I don't know. The formula doesn't 
doesn't exist yet. Well, obviously Elaine Ostapenko has it, <laughs> but she's she's keeping it to herself. But she hits. It's not even that she turns defense into attack because there's never defense. She's hitting aggressive shots from what should be defensive yeah. positions. But she's not she's not lofting up defensive lobs or hitting slice forehands. She's hitting full pelt topspin forehands that land six inches from the baseline. And it, I think it takes the opponent by the su- surprise because when Coco Goff attacks, she expects to be in charge for the rest of the rally. And it's just not like that. Um, and actually looking at those, I was looking at the last 12 months of, of results because I wanted to, I was trying to work out how bad it got. And between end of Wimbledon and the end of the US Open, she won four matches and lost four matches. You know, she's lost to Onstrabur. She lost to uh, lost early in the Olympics. She lost, um, uh, I can't remember who against the, the US Open, but but it was fairly early. And the players that were beating her, Ostapenko had a couple of wins, maybe even three. Um, Maria Sakkari had a couple of wins against her. Again, somebody strong who's, who can hit, hit a heavy big ball and hit a big kick serve and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, and then obviously Ash Barty, who's also got that kick serve and everything else that she possesses. And actually, she was the one that Svantec just couldn't f- handle. But then I look at, and I know Kasatkina doesn't have the, the weapons of Barty, but she's handling her s- straightforwardly. Onsjabur, we know, can beat um, Sviantek, or at least has done at Wimbledon, and that's going to be so interesting in a few weeks' time to see her try to conquer that. But all of the examples I'm giving are really from last year. This isn't the same player at all, and, and what's changed with her is one of the great fascinations in in the sport because to go from... It, I mentioned Djokovic a few episodes ago, from 2011 when he won 40-something matches in a row. And he'd, he'd won a Grand Slam. He'd won the, he'd done all these good things. He'd been a contender, but he was always very clear number three behind the others, sometimes number four. And suddenly he was the man. And she is now... She doesn't seem to have any desire to stop. That I was hoping to get a chance to ask a second question about Ash Barty stopping and, and her com- using this Serena Williams record as motivation. And Because I want to get... I get the sense she's... She's Graf or Selesh-like in her ambition and her determination to dominate and to keep dominating because she loves it. It was quite interesting. She said that the difference between what she's feeling after winning this Roland Garros title compared to the one in 2020 is that she feels like she's ready for the next step. You know, she feels like she, she's ready for what comes next. And, you know, it wasn't like she disappeared after after winning Roland Garros in 2020 you know last season she was the most consistent player in the slams wasn't she she was the only one I think to reach the second week of all of them but she said that there was a greater feeling of satisfaction after winning this slam because it felt it it felt like she really deserved it and she was ready to win it rather than I mean she used the word lucky to describe her her 2020 Roland Garros title I I was sort of saying I don't think it was luck she was sort of saying I deserve this one because I've I've, everything's gone into because I'm the best player in the world Mm. and I feel like that mindset really does set her up now to look she's already the dominant number one but you know start winning Grand Slam titles on hard courts as well. That feels like the next stage for her, I think. I asked her about pressure because she'd said on the court, the pressure was a lot, Mm. you know, and of course it was a lot. She could only lose. Everyone was expecting her to win. She could only, she could only lose or achieve par. There was no, there was no birdie available for her. (laughs) 
at this tournament and I said you know now you've got that trophy sitting next to you can you let us in a bit on on that pressure and how hard it is and she said it's the most difficult part of the job and then she talked about you know how how she manages it and obviously she's done vast psychological work and she talked a lot about how she finds the days off difficult at slams because what you're supposed to do is you know turn your mind off and not let it race and not think about the day ahead but of course that's exactly what your mind does not want to be doing on on the day off of course but you know whatever she's doing it is absolutely absolutely worth it isn't it but um yeah it's I'm pleased that she at least sounds sounds really sadistic but I'm pleased that she feels the pressure because otherwise she really would be some sort of alien (laughs) (laughs) no I I'm sure she does and but I, I love how we did not know about that 35 match streak motivation in her mind until this point she's been saying you know it's going to come to an end at one time and of course it is but the fact that she regards doing something in her words that Serena Williams hadn't done winning 35 in a row was was such an insight into how determined she is to be important in the game and 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 look, she has the utmost respect for Serena Williams. She's not comparing her achievements to Serena Williams or anything like that. But just this one, she's she's got this one. And uh, I mean, I, I think she'll go on to do loads, loads more in the game. But I love the way she gave herself her, her own goal. So in a way, Catherine, she kind of invented her own birdie to be able to get. Hmm. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Which you, I think, do think you've got to do that. You've got to, mm. like when you go on a run. I do that in thinking, golf because I can't get actual birdies. Yeah. Or, <laughs> like when you go on a run, you don't think about all over the finish line. You think, oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get to that next tree. <laughs> I do anyway. Matt was talking golf with Greg Rosetsky yesterday. Oh yeah. Mm. Mm, Comparing yes. handicaps. Uh, yeah. I was much, um, I was much kinder about his swing in in person in our conversation <laughs> with him than uh, than I was. Off, you know, am I, allowed, privately. am I allowed to say how you described it, Matt? If you want. Very unathletic were Matt's <laughs> words. But effective. Dan and Medvedev like. He's got it. He's got it. Yes, that's yeah, how that's, that's how, how David softened the analysis. Yeah, he's, he's way better at golf than I am. But mm. I'm just saying he has an unathletic swing. It's an interesting swing, but he still <laughs> finds the sweet spot. And he's got himself an, a, a handicap I wouldn't mind. Um, David, you mentioned you were wanting to ask a second question in the press conference perhaps the reason you weren't is because air oxygen was being taken up by someone asking her a question about makeup and Mm. uh why she doesn't wear makeup uh outside of the court when you go to a party do you use makeup do you like to go elegant and smart and so on because many players we've seen in the past they stayed hours in front of the mirror before going on court and using makeup and you seem very natural um, I'm not going to name who the journalist was because, um, although in some ways they deserve it, uh, you know, there's, there's a, there's a code, um, that I respect about, you know, not, not hanging other members of the media out to dry. Uh, David, I, I think, I think the listeners might have heard enough of, uh, angry feminist Catherine for the week. Would you like to, would you like to do the honours? Well, I mean, I don't even think it's necessary, really. You've heard what was said. Um, and I should also say that the rest of the press conference was brilliant. Mm. And and look, we've got so many great colleagues in the media, the vast, vast majority 
ask good questions. We had good answers. We had open answers from both players. It was a real joy to be in that interview room for 99% of the time, but not that one. Absolutely, and that's that's why it's so disappointing, isn't it? Because we all we all end up getting tarred with the with the brush. And uh, yeah, it was a brilliant press conference, as was Coco Goff's. I mean, two players oh. that you know they were asked apart from that one, brilliant questions, and they treated the questions with the respect that they deserved, didn't they? So thoughtful and considered and insightful. I'm blown away by Coco Goff because she. Maybe this will sound strange. She was more gutted about losing than I was expecting because she had seemed so sort of... So the, the run was so expect, unexpected to her, I think. It was all, you know, she didn't come into this tournament expecting to reach the final. She was absolutely delighted, but she had this tremendous perspective on it all, doesn't she? And and still does, you know, it's not it's not everything to me. I want to win, but it's not not everything. And... You know, she was facing the toughest task in tennis, trying to beat Iga Svantec. She was the underdog today. She, I'm sure she performed some, you know, psychological trick on herself to make herself believe that she could win. But she would have known that it was unlikely. And yet there she was, tears streaming down her face um, on on the chair there, sat on court, sat on court during the endless process of the stage being constructed um, on the court while they're playing sort of quite bizarre music. It's sort of like a, it's a, it's a longer version of like the jingle that you hear yes. before the Euros, well, Eurostar announcements it, it at Gardu Nor. It was their theme. Uh, mm. you, you hear little bit, little flickers of it during ad breaks and stuff like that on, on whatever TV channel you're watching. But this was the, this was the, the full version. This was the, the extended special. Uh, and it just kept on going. Um, but no, I mean, in terms of Coco Goff's reaction, um, I really, I, I mentioned having not been in a stadium without commentating before while stuff like that's going on. It made me think, actually, we tennis needs to maybe think about how it handles those situations when a player has just lost like that and is is just sitting there on her own for a long, long time. Well, they, they've got a lot to do. They've got to set up the stage. They've, the, the, you've got this contrast of Sviantek just racing out of the stadium through the tunnel to join her team and to be euphoric, as she has every right to be. And she, look, she was very generous to her opponent and, and understanding and everything else. But So she was celebrating, and Coco Goff is just sitting there on her own. And I, And I did think at that stage maybe... Maybe what we, what tennis could do is have a little room for them to go to for a few minutes to meet their family. Grief towers. Well, just just to have a bit of, just to be consoled a little bit. And Amelie Moresmo came up to Coco Goff while she was sitting in her chair and just just realized, and she just knelt next to her and said something. I don't know what, but it was mm. some something to console her and something to just comfort her for for a few seconds she wasn't imposing and, and Coco was having had a, a towel on her head some of the time um but I, I just think maybe that's one thing they could do she would she could have had her parents with her for you know off stage and then come back for the presentation but anyway I digress in in the in the actual press conference she was still tearful at the moment mm. I was sitting on the front row the moment she walked in she had tears in her eyes and she didn't back away from that she she said look I am. I'm emotional because, of, for me, and also for all the 
my family, they weren't disappointed that I lost as such. They were disappointed because they know how much it means to me to have lost. And my little brother came over and he was crying. And, and so I felt bad. And, and, you know, and she said a couple of things like, um, I, 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 I've been trying so hard not to cry. I hate myself for crying, she said at one point. And I thought, don't, don't do that. And I'm, I'm sure she doesn't mean it like that, really. But she was just, she says, I'm, I've been trying not to break. You know, and, and I get it. You, you, you have a stiff upper lip in those moments, don't you? You're trying to... But um, she has nothing to be ashamed of at all. And, and I, I found listening to her is just... I find I, I'm getting an education from this mm. young woman who's doing something that I will never experience. And I think she handled herself really, really well. She, I asked her whether Iga Shontek was the best opponent that she had ever faced. And she said, yes, Shontek and, and Ash Barty. Um, which again <laughs> made Ash Barty just loom so large in 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 the whole situation, the whole Shontek situation, didn't it? Um, but yeah, she she says she's glad she got to face, or she has got to face them both, because it's taught her what she needs to do to be better. And she said, you know, I'm I'm going to go straight away and try and do those things. What? What does she need to do to be better? Is it just time? Time, I think, is the main thing. Yeah, get older, get more experienced, um, make the same you know, levels of improvement in the next three years that she's made already in, in the three years since, since she's come onto the tour. I do think the forehand probably does still need um, some work and perhaps the serve as well. I, I really, the first time I ever saw Coco Golf, the serve was what stood out to me. The serve was the weapon. Um, I think that was when she was still in the juniors. And yet I don't quite think of it that way anymore. Um, so I still think maybe she could get more out of that serve. But But really, you know, she said she doesn't feel like it's about you know, the game so much, you know, she was talking a lot about the mentality that, that she had really got herself into this tournament um, to help get her this far. And I just have, I just have total faith in, in Coco Goff that whatever it is she needs to do, and there are, thankfully for this sort of rambling answer I'm given, thankfully there are lots of people who know much better than I do what she needs to do. And I just think that they are with her, they are surrounding her, and she will figure it out herself because she is really, really smart, I I, think. I also just quickly think that the appointment of the coach she has has been a really good development. Chris Clary wrote in the New York Times an interview he did with her father, Corey, and he was saying that the coach enables... Coco to understand what her strike does to the opposition and uh, and I think probably just that little bit of separation I mean look Corey Goff is a, has been a re- they're really good tennis coaches really good tennis family that have got her to where she is obviously there's help from outside as well but I mean this is I just think she's made real steps but the the biggest thing stride she's made is in ahead of not giving herself such a hard time to not already be there you know, because she made that 15-year-old breakthrough at Wimbledon, we were all saying it. This is the next one. She's gonna, And she's going to do it now, next year. That clearly had filtered into her head because she'd been expecting herself to do it too. And it had kind of stopped her in her tracks and probably made her miserable. I mean, she came up with one quote at the end, which um, 
I felt it really got me. She said um, because she graduated recently, and she, you know, there were the photos shared of her graduating. She said um, it made me realise I'm more than just a tennis player, and that's something I was really struggling with. And I, and I think tennis had overwhelmed her a bit. It's, it can swallow people up, can't it? All this, and as well as she always seemed to be handling it, and I'm just just feel like she's come out of there that little tunnel now. And I mean, I should say, I I also felt like um, part of the reason for the emotion is that a lot of what she was feeling as well was really positive. You know, she was she was kind of happy and sad at the same time. Yeah, there's a Casey Musgrave song for that, but um, she said. That you know, she's still got the doubles final tomorrow, and that would be that would be a kind of a, a kind of an amazing note to end on. And as you said, she wasn't expecting to reach the final here. She knows that what she's done this fortnight is incredible. I think it was a lot of emotion she was dealing with, kind of all at the same time, which made her sort of incredibly open about it, which was kind of kind of amazing. It was an incredible, incredible press conference. She's. She's just an extraordinary young woman. Um, I'd love to be in team golf. It just—it sounds like really good vibes, doesn't they play, it? They play games every night, like yeah, board games I wanna, every night. I want to join in with a card games. She's—it's just so wholesome, isn't it? She's sat around with her parents and her little—is it two little brothers that she's yeah, got? It's great. Playing card games and just generally being cool. And yeah. I, I'd like to join in, <laughs> please. Um, so what now? Coco Goff is up to... I was expecting this to be a far better fact than it actually is. She's only up to 13 in the rankings, Coco Goff, which is far less... I think she was 18th seed at this tournament. It's obviously a jump, and um, uh, I don't think she's got too much to defend coming up, has she? But then... It's all complicated by Wimbledon not having points, all the rest of it. Don't need to go into that. Shrontek, obviously, was the world number one, remains the world number one. She has double the points already of the second-ranked player in the world. Speaking of which, uh, I've got to quote uh, a tweet from Yasmin Syed, who says, Contivate is the real winner of the French Open, you know. Lost first round, went on holiday to Saint-Tropez, soft-launched her boyfriend on Instagram, and ended up <laughs> ended up with a career-high ranking of world number two. <laughs> Great Brilliant. tweet. That's splendid. Um, and now, the Igor Schwantek is the only member of the world's top nine uh, that has won a Grand Slam. You've got to go down to Garbini Muguruza at 10 in the world for a Grand Slam champion. And you've got, uh, you've got Emma Raducanu there at 11. Uh, go down a bit further and you find Simona Halep and um, a couple of other Grand Slam. Angelique Kerber's down there Bob as well. But has Bob Bor- out of the yeah, top that's 10. the significant thing that's happened in the top 10. Obviously, 2,000 points coming off of Barbora Krachikova's tab. But Igor Svantec is just... So many streets ahead of everyone. And it doesn't feel like it's stopping unless the surface intervenes. Because I can't see an obvious player that's going to beat her on, even on hardcore, I wouldn't. But how wonderful that the surface is now grass because she doesn't know how she's going to get on. She says she finds it. Tricky. What would have to happen between now and when we do our predictions for Wimbledon for you not to pick her for Wimbledon? Her to pull out. 
I mean, <laughs> so if she doesn't win a match on grass before Wimbledon, it, or she doesn't play one, plays plays a tournament, loses first round or second round if she gets a bye, kind of regardless of what happens, I th- I think she'll be are, your favourite. There are players that I mean, I, I, I haven't, I didn't watch her play on grass uh, Wimbledon last year. I know she played that match against Angers. She won the first set, I think seven five, and then lost two very one sided sets. I didn't see the match, so I can't judge. Um, I've seen one of her junior matches, but um, someone like Jabir could cause her problems again, even now, I think, because she's that good, Jabir, and I think the surface suits her. I don't, th- I don't feel like Andrescu is there yet. I don't think Osaka is there yet. I think they've all got the goods. They're, they can build the form and be in there with her. There just aren't that many players, I don't think, that can contend necessarily at Wimbledon and really hurt her. So... I, I, she's my favourite, even even now. David's done his predictions early. <laughs> I think I said you asked me would she be the favourite against the field. Yeah, I think uh, I still we, said yeah. We all said we'd we'd be picking her for Wimbledon if we were doing predictions today. But I think Matt, you said you would you would pick her as an you know if you had to pick an individual, but you wouldn't pick her against the field. And David, you disagree. Yeah, I'd, I, mm. I, I would back her. In the absence of Barty. Just while we're on Wimbledon, quickly, the entry list came out yesterday, didn't it? Serena Williams, not on it. Um, There's still the opportunity for her to ask for a wild card, which I feel pretty sure that the club club would give her if requested. But it seems highly unlikely now that she's going to play Wimbledon, which means she'll drop, drop off the rankings altogether once her Wimbledon points from last year come off. Are we ever going to see Serena Williams play tennis again? Probably. I'm going to answer my own question and, and say I, I don't think so. Probably not, I would imagine. I think not. Mm. Emergency pod? I'm, I'm sure she will, <laughs> you know, and if she's not, I, I'm sure she will have a plan. And I'm sure it'll be a great plan. So good luck to her. Maybe she's doing it. Maybe she's in the plan. You know, she went to the Met Gala, didn't Living she? Living her best life. Yeah, just... Just not on the tennis court. Just, yeah. yeah. Or maybe, I don't, I don't know. I just, I wish her luck, you know, and um, I, I just want to, I'm looking forward, regardless of when it ends, just to be uh, being able to celebrate her, really. We, I mean, in everything, we want clean, easy endings, don't we? You know, if you read a great book and the ending is not what you hoped it would be, you leave with a feeling mm. of, ugh. That was a bit annoying. And it's absolutely not on her to give everyone mm, the ending they she, all want. I think she wants a different ending, she wants to, a different what, ending to, to what, what we, we all want. want. I think. Mm, how unfortunate. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. What else happened today at Roland Garros? Um, on Chatrier, the first match on Chatrier today was the women's wheelchair singles final which I think is the first time a wheelchair match has been played on Chatrier here at the French Open so that's a huge moment Dida de Chut beat second seed she's the top seed she's the world in the morning singers, singles and doubles is de Chut and she beat second seed Yui Kamiji 6-4 6-1 to win her third French Open title and 14th Grand Slam singles title she's on course for the calendar slam so I look forward to seeing Dida de Chut drinking beer out of her US Open title, <laughs> Dylan Alcott style, <laughs> later on this summer. Um, how about this? The second seed, Shingo Kanida, beat the third seed, third seed, Gustavo Fernandez, 7-5 in the third in the men's wheelchair singles final to win his eighth French Open title, his first in four years. He won his very first in 2007, uh, he's now 38 years of age, and here's a little, just a little addendum for you. He once had a three-year, 106-match winning streak. Oh, and I, I just love the way he had that, and he won seven titles, and then he didn't win one for four years, and then boom! Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, in- incredible stuff from Shingo Kanido, and goodness knows how much longer he'll go on for. Uh, the remaining wheelchair matches were all postponed until tomorrow due to rain. Uh, I'm surprised there was any other rain left besides the stuff that fall on fell on me and Matt on the journey home. But there was, you know, the, the cloud. The clouds had some <laughs> some water left. I didn't in them, apparently, um, some of them were suspended mid match. Uh, that includes the quad wheelchair singles final between Niels Vink of Niels on Wheels fame <laughs> and Sam Schroeder. Uh, which that was rained off at the start of the second set tiebreak. Vink took the first set. And the women's wheelchair doubles final between De Hoot and Van Koot and ah. Kamiji and Montiagne was rained off at four all in the decider. Uh, 
Um, so they'll have to come back tomorrow and we'll update you on the results then. Uh, Lucy Havlikova did the double in the girls' event. She beat Solana Sierra in the singles final and then she teamed up with fellow Czech Sara Beljek um, to beat uh, another Czech, Nikola Bartonkova and Swiss Celine Naif in the girls' doubles final. So that's three Czech youngsters on court in the girls' doubles final. Havlikova, incidentally, she was the top seed. She's won both titles. She's 17. She's clearly very, very good. I would make a note of that name. 17, I'd expect her to make her singles, her senior singles transition soon. Um, They've just got young female talent coming out of their ears, have the Czech Republic. I mean, it's... Extraordinary. It's just, it's too many. You've got too many. Do any of them have some British parentage or can well, they lend some to some other countries? It is really interesting and it is something I'd like to follow up on a little bit and find out what they do. <laughs> how, do how are they doing it? Is there a, and, why, is, and why isn't everyone doing it? Yeah. And why, why is it not the same in the boys? I mean, they've got decent male players but they've got but compared to what they've got coming through on the the women's production line and as has been the case for well a long time but you know mm. most recently you're looking at you know Pliskova and Kvitova and plenty others it's it's really extraordinary what they're yeah. doing um the boys final was won by a French player for the second straight year 16 year old Gabriel De Bru beat Belgian Gilles Arnaud Bailly 7663 I must say, having come here and seen the French crowds, I'm just, I'm pleased to hear that. I'm pleased to hear there was one last year because the idea of an, a new generation of young French players for this crowd, these crowds to get into, I like the idea. A that. new generation of not quite musketeers. Well, maybe these ones will be, you know. I mean, I can't believe that. I mean, and look, Songa and Monfils, they've been really good players and they've given us a lot of fun, but they need an Andy Murray. They need their own mm. Novak Djokovic. They need their own Rafael Nadal. They, it, that's got to happen sooner or later, surely. They've probably been saying that since Yannick Noah, David, but yes. Yeah. I'm an optimist. Yes, absolutely. Look, it's, it's, good, it's good for Grand Slams, isn't it, when they've got... When they've, it's like a World Cup, you know. It's good when the home team does well. Yeah. Mm. So, one more day of the 2022 French Open, bed not bloody rain. That's how I feel about tomorrow. Don't like your chances, but okay. Mm. I'm not even going to look up a weather forecast because it is utterly irrelevant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've got the resumption of those uh, wheelchair matches that I mentioned tomorrow. We also, um, don't know if you've heard about it, but we've got the men's singles final. Uh, Rafael Nadal going for... French Open number 14. That match is 3 p.m. Nadal against Kasparud. And if you'd like a lovely stat about how often men's Grand Slam finals have been first meetings between players, then Matt's stat and our newsletter is the place to go. And this has been percolating for 24 hours. Mm. These two have been working on it. Well, I should say, I mean, it was was a real team effort, wasn't it? We were going through Grand Slam finals last night, trying to guess whether they were first meetings or not, and verifying. And uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting little quirk, I think. 
it, I'm going to tell you, it's either a lot more or a lot fewer than you'd expect. Is that a, have I done a good, good teaser there? That's a good tease. I'm mm. signing up for the newsletter. <laughs> uh, before the men's singles final, we have the women's doubles final. Coco Goff and Jessica Begula against Kiki Mladenovic and Caroline Garcia. That's at 11.30. Should be a brilliant atmosphere. That's a brilliant final. Yeah. So great. So, mm. so great. Great stories on both sides. Yeah, very much here for that. Longlen sees the men's legends final. Who would like to know who's in that? Yes, please. Sebastian Grosjean and Cedric Pierline. I'll be there. Against Arno Clement and Fabrice Santoro. They're all they're all French. Is that a fix? Oh, I think that's outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A decade on the Champions Tour teaches you that there is there's they would they would never consider such a thing. The women's legends final today was won by Flavia Panetta and Francesca Schiavoni over Gisella Dulco and Gabriella Sabatini. Um, what is going to happen in the men's singles final tomorrow? Rafael Nadal is going to win. Not rude baby, as uh, Billie Jean King put it in her oh. press conference today, which was. One of the highlights of the oh, day. Oh, it was so great, wasn't it? She, um, b- before the press conference officially began, this we all started our day with the Billie Jean King press conference, which it's a shame that every day can't start that way, <laughs> quite frankly. She's sitting down and she's getting herself settled and getting herself a glass of water and stuff. And um, and she's she's just greeting everyone. And someone says, how are you doing? And she goes, I'm good. And there's a pause and she goes, live in large. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, what an answer to that question. That's, regardless of how grumpy I am on any given day, whenever anyone asks how I am, I'm just going to say, live in, live in large. <laughs> uh, so, one more day to go. Nadal for a 14th title, says David. Matt agrees. Yeah, I do agree. I, I maybe, maybe this is for tomorrow, but the idea of Rafael Nadal having as many Roland Garros titles as Pete Sampras has Grand Slam titles, blows my tiny mind. Unbelievable. The fact that we might watch that tomorrow, it it blows my tiny mind, <laughs> Matt. And uh, all due respect to Casper Reed, I wish him well. Um, but it's a, tough t- it's a tough task. Have you seen the picture of... Oh, 2013 Casparud yeah. at the French yeah. Open final, watching Rafael Nadal lift the trophy. He's he's in a in a green gilet. I think we'll be seeing that picture a lot more tomorrow as well. Mm. Sort of him supporting Nadal. He's supporting Nadal as right. his hero, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and also just quickly in Tony Nadal news, he uh, <laughs> he gave a quote in Spanish today. I can't quite remember who to, Matt, but he he said. In another extremely subtle dig at Felix Auger Eliassime, said, uh, if, if it can't be Nadal, uh, Kasparud is the next best thing <laughs> yeah, for winning Fe- the French Open. Felix isn't in the final. But. Mm. Mm. <laughs> if, it can't, if, it, if it can't be Nadal in the final, it can only be the person he's playing mm. in the final. Mm. Mm. Anyway. Poor Felix. Rude, baby. Rude. I'm quoting Billie Jean King, David. Yeah. I haven't just 
lost my marbles. And she, didn't she say, and he's not rude? <laughs> yeah. She did. There were so many incredible one-liners and brilliant eye rolls that just gave me life in but, that press conference. By the way, Catherine, called my mum. Mm-hmm. Gave her a call. <laughs> she answered. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was slightly concerned. I was in the, in the doghouse um, somewhat. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially when I sent her a lovely, jolly message uh, saying, I hope you've enjoyed all the Jubilee celebrations and the tennis. Uh, and then I got no answer for about two hours. Um, and then I got a, a note back saying, thanks for slagging me off on the podcast for a few thousand people to hear. I'll remember in future not to answer the phone to anyone when you are here. <laughs> <laughs> to which I was, whoops. Well, it sounds like mission accomplished for you, David. Yeah. The, uh, the message has got through. However... I would like to say that when I called, she says, actually, I didn't mind when I was listening to the podcast. It was when I saw that post on Instagram that suggested that you were slagging me off. And I suddenly thought, is he? Your mum's following us on on Instagram. Actually, apparently she's signed up on Facebook in some way. She doesn't really know how. And they replicate over to there. So she caught a sight of it. But apparently, after much groveling, I appear to have been forgiven. (laughs) So, sorry, mum. You're the best. My mum, when we were trying desperately to get to 10,000 followers, um, my mum sent me a message going, I've joined Instagram, so I've I've helped. My mum, she thinks she got us over the line. I think she did, though. Yeah, Yeah. every every person counts. Good work, Ross. One more of these pods to go, folks. It's It's been a wild, old, brilliant ride here at the French Open, and we can't wait for tomorrow. Uh, We have Cooper, our lovely mascot, for one more day. Thank you, Cooper, for... uh, You've just been most excellent. Just being involved. Mm. Um, We have our mascots. I've got Carter. David's got Darwin. Matt has the dearly departed Gerald the Cat. Billie Jean has Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have our executive producers and top blokes, Chris Albert Lee and Kyle Weingartner. Matt, we have shout-outs. We do, or more specifically, just one shout-out today, because it's a very special one. It is to Martina from Marion, which, first of all, great tennis names. Excellent. And this is a surprise for Martina from Marion. They are getting married today. So they've probably already got married, in fact. Congratulations! Um, They're in Mainz in Germany. Uh, Marion was a massive tennis fan in Germany when she was younger, during the Boris Becker, Steffi Graf years. Um, Kind of fell out of tennis for a bit until five years ago when she met Martina, uh, who got her back into tennis. Uh, They said on their first date they talked about Graf versus Hingis at Roland Garros in 1999. So this is a surprise little extra wedding present for Martina from Marion. Absolutely love that. Isn't it wonderful? Many, many congratulations to you both. I know the shout-outs for Martina, but Marion, you're having one too. Yeah. Love that. Um, let us know if, if, if you and your partner have, both have tennis names. That's a... That's a new road for us to go down, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Hang on. How how good does the player have to be for it to be considered a tennis name? That's a good question. 
Because we try to find a tennis name for every single. Yeah, show. if it's <laughs> Emily Webley Smith, if you're Emily <laughs> and um, Dennis of Dennis Kudler fame, if you're Emily and Dennis, Dennis oh yeah, sorry, I just had Dennis Kudler on the brain because he beat Andy Murray today. Um, name, name me. We, this is a cul-de-sac. David doesn't want to go down. <laughs> I can see that in his eyes. <laughs> anyway, but I but I get where you're coming. Mm. A a name which is easily identifiable as a tennis player. Be, and you above were, anything else. What about if you were named after them? Yes, that's, I doubt there's many couples where, where both halves of the couple are named after a tennis player. I just want anybody. Mm. Okay. okay. Well, just. Let's see what comes in and take it <laughs> take it from there. Do do get in touch, but only if you've got nice things to say. Uh, thank you ever so much for listening. Thank you to Friends of the Podcast for making these podcasts from Roland Garros possible. It has been an absolute treat to be here. I know I keep saying it, but I can't stress it enough. We all watched our first Grand Slam final all together today live, and that was an extremely special experience. So thank you ever so much for making that happen. If you'd like to become a friend of the pod in time for the Roland Garros review show that'll be coming to you on Monday and for Wimbledon Relived that'll be coming to you in uh, two or three weeks' time, then the link is in our show notes. You can get yourself a shout-out. You can get yourself... What else? An intro? Yeah. Like Zach today. All of it's available. Um, And if you'd like to subscribe to the newsletter which trust me you would the link to that is in our show notes as well one more of these to come folks we'll speak to you on sunday normally being a little extra might be a bit much but not when it comes to healthcare. that's why united healthcare's health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs learn more at uh1.com Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 